Sometimes you need to take control to make a difference. That's why with FlexPath from Capella University, you're in control. Set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move at a pace that works for you. Discover a different way forward at capella.edu. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. All Hit Radio. Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the Excellent Everyone. 1-800-610-7035 is our worldwide toll-free number. Email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com and the Xzone channel, audio, video streaming, 24 hours a day, www.xzonetv.com. As we've been saying all day, Exxon Nation, the people in Haiti can use all the help they can get now in order to make sure that your money gets to the right place and isn't diverted to organizations that uh, don't give as much as they should to the people that they're trying to help. We're just suggesting that you go to the Canadian Red Cross or the American Red Cross to make your donations. For the uh, Canadian Red Cross, www.redcross.ca. That's www.redcross.ca. And then uh, for the American Red Cross, www.redcross.org. That's www.redcross.org. My first guest uh, tonight is Joel Ghetto. He is a student of culture, values, and change. Most recently, he is the author of Radical Evolution, the promise of, uh, and the promise and peril of enhancing our minds, our bodies, and what it means to be human, published in 2005 by Doubleday. Joel's latest book takes an unprecedented, sometimes alarming, always spellbinding look at the hinge in history at which uh, we have arrived. For hundreds of millennia, our technologies have been aimed outward and at altering our environment in the uh, fashion of fire, agriculture, or space travel. Now, for the first time, we are increasingly aiming inward at modifying our minds, memories, metabolisms, personalities, and possibly our immortal souls. Radical Evolutions is about everything that uh, concerns altering human nature, 
not in some distant tomorrow, but right now on our watch. And joining me now is Joel Garrow. And Joel, welcome to the X-Zone. Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm doing fine, Joel. Uh, where did your interest in, in this fascinating uh, topic come from? Well, to tell you the truth, I was a journalist at the Washington Post, and the uh, future stopped making sense to me a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I find that you know when that happens, that that's an, an interesting line of inquiry. Um, what I discovered was that um, there is this host of technologies that, as you say, are in, that are aimed inward for the first time in hundreds of thousands of years to modify what it means to be human. And I discovered that this is happening right now on our watch, not in some distant science fiction future. And what this amounts to is that we're becoming the first species to take control of our own evolution. And radical evolution is the roadmap to the next two, three, five, ten, twenty years of this dramatic change. Someday soon, some kid you know is going to come home from school in tears. He's going to be complaining that other kids are more athletic than he is, smarter than he is, better behaved, more beautiful, more capable of getting into the best colleges. And the reason is that his, that their parents have invested in these technologies that are rapidly coming online, and you haven't. And the question is, well, what do you do when that day comes? And there's at least three possibilities. One is you tell him, listen, I don't care what other parents do to their children's minds and bodies. We love you just the way you are. Uh, go wipe your nose. Go play in traffic. Uh, a second possibility is that you remortgage the house again to compete in this arms race in which you have to uh, invest constantly in these new technologies to keep up, or you could try to get these other kids thrown out of your school. And that's a really bad alternative because that just Mm -hmm. widens the gap between people who are accepting these enhancements and becoming more uh, capable and then the ordinary kind of humans that we've had for so long. But what you can't do is ignore this. Because these changes in what it means to be human are coming at you right now, and you can't ignore it. All right, Joel, please stand by. You and I have to take our first commercial break. Exo Nation, Joel Garrow is our special guest. www.garreau.com. That's www.garreau.com. Don't forget, Exo Nation, to help the people in Haiti. The American and Canadian Red Cross, in my books, are your best bet. To make a donation in Canada, www.redcross.ca. That's www.redcross.ca. And in the U.S., www.redcross.org. That's redcross.org. I'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as we continue live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Joel Garrow is our special guest, www.garrow.com, G-A-R-R-E-A-U.com. So, Joel, what is changing? Is it the way we perceive ourselves? Is it the way we perceive society? Is it the combination of society and technology finally making a blend to, to work together, or is it something totally different? Oh, that's a great question. You suppose anybody in our audience is old enough to remember the Sony Walkman? Yeah, I'm, I'm holding up my hand. How about um, old enough to remember when computer screens only came in black and white? All right, I'm starting to slouch in my chair, and I'm still holding up my hand. How about rotary dial telephones? Oh, now I'm really slouching. And yes, I remember black and white TV when it first came out, and it was only on a certain amount of times a day. What about the smell of mimeograph machine fluid. Oh, yeah, you could really get high on that stuff. Right. How about old enough to remember polio? Well, I, I don't remember it as the as the dreaded disease it was, but I did have a cousin with polio, so I, there's a relationship there. Well, the reason so many of us don't remember any of these is that we've been living through a period of exponential change. Um a lot of people are familiar with the most recent version, uh, which is called Moore's Law. Mm-hmm. This is there was a guy named uh, named Moore who, back in 1965, uh, noticed that he was in Silicon Valley, and he noticed that in the six years that computer chips had been being made so far, that the number of transistors that you could get on a piece of silicon for a dollar had been rapidly uh, doubling every few months, mm-hmm. and he boldly suggested that maybe this would continue for another 10 years. Well, little did he know. Mr. Moore became one of the three founders of Intel, Intel Inside, the computer chip guys. Wow. But And he's now a bazillionaire many times over. But what he's probably going to be uh, remembered the most for is what is now known as Moore's Law, because this is now the core faith of the entire global information technology industry. And the way it's normally stated now is that the Firepower in computers will double every 18 months for as far as the eye can see. Um, lots of people have probably experienced this in their everyday lives. I mean, who hasn't looked at a whiz-bang computer as a Christmas gift? You know, and it costs two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and it's got you know eight gigs of this and 512 or something else, and it's a real fire breather at two thousand dollars. And the very next Christmas, the exact same machine will be available for 1300 bucks, because the other way of stating Moore's Law is that the price of these technologies drops in half every 18 months to the point where that whiz-bang machine of Christmas that we once talked about, in 10 years, the same amount of firepower will be available for $31.25, and you'll be able to get it for free with a subscription to Newsweek. Uh, other, pe- other examples of this is, is the iPhone. Mm-hmm. A single iPhone now has more firepower than did the entire North American Air Defense Command back in 65 when Moore first prophesied. The, this curve of exponential change is unlike anything we've ever seen before. We've now had 32 doublings since 1959. And we've never seen anything like this before. That's an increase of a billion times in the lifetimes of an awful lot of people listening to the show. Uh, the only thing that you can point to that that 
is roughly comparable to it was the railroad back in the 1800s. The number of total railroad miles doubled 14 and a half times in North America from the 1840s to the 1910s. And those 14 and a half doublings changed everything. It changed cities, it changed work, it changed industry, it changed families, it changed jobs, and that was only 14 and a half times. Railroads are made out of physical stuff, you know, iron and yeah. you know, land and coal. So there's a limit to how many doublings you can get. But with information technology, the only practical limits is uh, the laws of physics, human ingenuity, the marketplace, and our willingness to control our own futures with our culture and values. And as a practical matter, I don't see any limits based on physics, the marketplace, and ingenuity. So it comes down to what kind of a world we want shape, what kind of a world we, we want to have. Uh, an example of this was that this moving into a third kind of evolution that's fueled by this exponential change. Uh, I hung out for the better part of a year at DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. This is the research and development arm of the American military, and they are in the forefront of human enhancement. Um, for example, back nine years ago, they were behind the creation of the first monkey that, could, that was telekinetic, that, that could move objects long distance with her thoughts. Would you like to know how you make a monkey telekinetic? Yes, you've got my uh, undivided attention here. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is not. Um, this is this is a computer-aided telekinesis. What happens was that this monkey was at Duke University. Her name mm -hmm. is Belle. Really cute little 18-pound owl monkey. Real smart. And the first thing they did was they got her hooked on computer games. Uh, she had a, a joystick and she had a screen. And if she threw the joystick around to hit a flashing light, she'd get a drop of juice. But Real fast, it became clear. She almost cared about the juice. She was way into the game. So at that point, what they did is they drilled a hole in her head, and they took an, an object about the size of a baby aspirin that had hundreds of superfine wires coming out of it, and they inserted it in her brain on the surface of her motor cortex, which is where movements are planned. And the point of those superfine wires was to line them up with individual neurons in her brain so that when the neurons fired, the, the wires could pick it up and relay it to a computer. So when that was accomplished, they then sealed her up and they turned the game back on. And she played the game. And while she was doing that, the, the scientists were watching what was going on in her neurons and what the patterns were. And when they thought they had that figured out, they then took the big step. They disconnected her joystick so that no matter what she did with her arm or her hand, it wouldn't make any difference. They turned the computer game back on, mm -hmm. and Belle the monkey pretty soon figured out what was going on, and she realized that just by thinking about where the cursor should go, she could control it. And when she hit the light the first time, just with her thoughts, the cheers went up all over Duke. Then, to be cool about it, they put the signal live on the Internet, and piped it up 600 miles north to MIT, where there was a robotic arm. And at that point, she was controlling the robotic arm with her thoughts, and it began to dance in exactly the same fashion that her arm would have been moving if she had been 
uh, using her arm to control the, 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 the cursor. Now, I said you've got a monkey that can control a robotic arm 600 miles away with your thoughts. What you've got is a telekinetic monkey. I agree. But the obvious question is, why? You know, why would you want to do this to a monkey? And as usual, there's two answers. There's the official answer, and then there's the real answer. Well, the official answer is that DARPA is a military outfit, and they realize that an F-35 jet fighter is an extremely complicated machine to control with your hand. So they're thinking, well, how much better it would be if you could have a direct mind-machine connection. Suppose you could just control the machine with your thoughts, and suppose it was two-way. Suppose that the, that the airplane could pipe directly into your brain all the information that it collected without a screen, without a keyboard, pipe directly into your brain direction, speed, you know, where the enemy is, where the weapons are, and all that stuff. That's the official reason why you'd want to have a direct mind-machine connection. But the real reason is that the fellow who was running this operation at the time was had a daughter named Gina Marie, who is a very talented young lady, uh, graduated from the University of Arizona, and Gina Marie has cerebral palsy. So she's predict it's predicted that she will spend the rest of her life in her wheelchair. Well, her father, Michael Goldblatt, thought, you know, if you can control machines with your mind, then in principle, there's no reason why those machines couldn't be in Gina Marie's legs. And he basically has spent untold millions of taxpayers' dollars, and he's very upfront about this, for his daughter, because he wants her to be able to get up someday and walk. And that's just the beginning. Um, a few years later, uh, Matthew Nagel, a guy in Boston, became the first human to send an email with his thoughts. Uh, using the similar technology, uh, Michael, Michael's not the world's nicest guy. Michael got into a knife fight, and he ended up with his spinal cord severed at the neck. So he's locked up from the, from the neck down. Uh, but he had nothing better to do, so he volunteered for this. And so they put a device like this in his brain, and sure enough, he was the first to be able to send an email with his thoughts. The, the thing is that this is, this is not tremendously practical technology to put this in brains, but already things are moving so fast that this last Christmas, Mattel, the toy company, sold a version of this as a toy. Uh, it's a, you, you just put a little wand on your forehead, and it reads your electrical activity in your brain. And with that, you're, you can control physical objects. This first-generation toy, all it lets you do is levitate a ping-pong ball. But still, that's pretty amazing that you've managed to get that far that fast, that you've got a, a toy available for 100 bucks that offers a direct mind-machine connection. Joel, stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Joel Garrow's our special guest fascinating truly fascinating imagine that i know that could work on a few people around here i think i'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with joel garrow his website is www.garreau.com my name is rob mcconnell this is the exxon we're coming to you live and around the world from our studios in hamilton ontario canada on the exxon broadcast network and talk star radio All hit radio. 
Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Ravika. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase, up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Hurry in to Mattress Firm's July 4th sale. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase, up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save $500 on all Tempur-Breeze mattresses and get a $300 instant gift good towards sleep accessories. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Is our special guest, Exonation, www.garreau.com. That's www.garreau.com. Joel's reputation as an astute interpreter of culture and values was launched with the 1981 publication of The Nine Nations of North America, a book that describes how the continent behaves not so much like 50 states or three countries, but nine separate and powerful civilizations or economies that pay scant attention to political boundaries in the course of forging their own destinies. Nine Nations won critical acclaim and has been embraced by readers, marketers, political operatives, and academics, putting Joel on a short list of the world's most prominent culture demographers. Uh, and uh, you and I were briefly talking during the commercial break and the news break, Joel, where there, there's, there's been this symbiotic connection between science and technology and uh, how even Dick Cheney, the former uh, vice president, was actually uh, bionic in his own rights. That's right. He had a host of machines in his chest because he has heart disease, and that's they're what what kept him going. Mm-hmm. We've had a cyborg vice president. In fact, there are four technologies that are accelerating quickly, all of which are changing what it means to be human. I call them the grin technologies. 
for genetics, robotics, information, and nanotechnology. The, the first one, genetics, this is actually about manipulating and understanding cells at the very most basic level. Um, within a few years, you'll have commercial pills on the market, FDA approved, that enhance memory. And the people who are behind this think that this is going to be the biggest thing of Vi since Viagra, because there are 78 million baby boomers in the United States who can't remember where they parked their car or if they've got a car. Hmm. And this should be an amazing thing. It, at Harvard, there are two researchers who created a company called Sertris Pharmaceuticals. It's the leading developer of drugs that mimic resveratrol. It's, that's the anti-aging chemical found in red wine. Uh, resveratrol has been found to activate proteins called sirtuins, and in mice, sirtuin activators work against lung and colon cancer, melanoma, lymphoma, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and Alzheimer's. It's a really remarkable drug, and it's supposed to be on the market by the middle of this decade. But the big deal is that there is evidence that it can actually reverse aging. One of these compounds is already in stage two clinical trials. Now think about that. We're talking about age reversal in six or seven years. Wow. And that other things that are in the, are in the uh, pipeline are uh, cures for obesity. Think of what that would do. Uh, cures for addiction, like smoking. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also uh, living organisms that are in the, the lab that basically eat carbon dioxide and poop gasoline. And those are expected to be commercial with three to ten years. Think of what that's going to do both to the climate problem and to the politics of the Middle East. That's the implications of the genetics revolution. Then there's the robotics revolution. That's the R in the Grin Technologies. And that's really about the melding of the made and the born. It's, uh, that's like Dick Cheney, you know, not knowing exactly where the human uh, leaves off and the machines begin. Uh, these are smart machines that do our bidding. Uh, back in 2002, for example, there was a robot that was called a Predator. It was the first robot to incinerate a human being. It was flying over Yemen, and it came up on a car chase behind a, uh, an SUV full of al-Qaeda leaders, and it uh, blew them away. Now, you could debate whether or not we really have homicidal robots yet because there is a human in the loop there that told it to fire the missile. But nonetheless, that the whole I mean, that's, that's a distinction that might have been viewed as overly fine by mm -hmm. the guys who were in the SUV. Uh, what's happening is that all the powers of our comic book superheroes are already in existence or um, or in the lab. Uh, the movie Iron Man, that's increasingly becoming true. I've jitterbugged in a thing called the exoskeleton at Berkeley, which is kind of a, you step into it and it's a wearable robot suit that allows you to lift 180 pounds as if it was four pounds. Uh, and I asked them, I said, would this thing allow you to leap tall buildings in a single bound like Superman? And they said, oh, yeah, sure. Jumping over the tall building, that's not the problem. Landing, now that's a problem. But the whole idea is that you're increasingly seeing machines that, uh, that are integrating with humans. There are things like cochlear implants. There's tens of thousands of those, which are computers that allow the profoundly deaf to hear mm -hmm. by piping a signal directly into your brain. There are ocular implants that do the same thing for eyes. They're basically bionic eyes. The um, 
the question is, you know, all of these uh, of these machines keep on getting cheaper and smaller. The think about um, about music machines. You know, they started off as being three or four great big boxes of, covered with mahogany that you had to put up in your bookshelf. Yeah. And then it became something that you carried, like a Walkman. And now it's a piece of jewelry, like a, like an iPod. There's no reason why that can't be either a in, in the future either uh, an earring or an implant. I mean, if you could get a, uh, an implant that would allow you to understand and speak Chinese, would you take it? Of course. When I ask people about this, you know, when, when I give presentations, I get about 50% who say, sure, I'll take it in a heartbeat. Well, I guess that just tells you how what a pain in the butt our language instruction has been. <laughs> then there's the I in the grin technology. That's the information, the uh, technology. And, again, you've seen enormous acceleration. Fifteen years ago, a cell phone that had a camera, GPS, MP3 player, and email, that was science fiction 15 yep. years ago. Today, that's the lowest price Nokia. You can get it for 30 bucks. The, the information technology is moving ever faster. Uh, universal translators, for example, that do a pretty good job of translating any language. Uh, DARPA and Google have those in development, and they should be available quite soon. Speaking of Google, you know, Larry, uh, Sergey Brin, one of the founders of Google, in 2004, told Newsweek, quote, where can you go? Certainly, if you had all the world's information directly attached to your brain or an artificial brain that was smarter than your brain, you'd be better off. Well, back at the time, everybody thought that Sergey was just was kidding. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's not kidding. In 2005, he said, quote, why not improve the brain? Perhaps in the future we can attach a little version of Google that you just plug into your brain. So that's the direction of the information technologies. And then finally, there's the nanotech, the, the N in the grim technologies. And this is the one that's the least developed, but it has the biggest implications, because we're talking about fundamental control of matter and energy. Nanotechnology is about building anything you want, one atom at a time or one molecule at a time. Anything you want, diamonds, molecularly accurate T-bone stakes, spacecraft, whatever, what have you. This transforms everything that's made. You know, half of the Fortune 500 companies may end up disappearing if they don't jump onto the nanotech revolution. Already in five years, this is expected to be a trillion-dollar-a-year business, which is roughly the GNP of Canada. The, the, all of these technologies, you know, the more urgent the problem, the more quickly we leap at them. Uh, one of the things that's in development is what is called nanobots, which are much, much smaller than a human blood cell. And the idea is to inject millions of them into your veins and have these little robots going around. The first generation would be early warning detectors saying, you know, a cancer cell is forming, a cancer cell is forming. But then the second generation are meant to be hunter-killers that would go in there and actually eat that cancer cell or that fat cell. And most important, nanotechnology kicks the other technologies, genetics, robotics, and information, into a new orbit, the way information tech did in the 20th century. Now, okay, so that's the gear, but I'm not really a gearhead. I don't really care about the, 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 the gear itself. 
I'm interested in culture and values. I'm interested in where this takes society. And when you ask the guys who are inventing this new world where it takes us, you basically get three scenarios, heaven, hell, and prevail. Now, each of these is credible. Each could happen. I'm not, I don't make predictions. I, I just make scenarios. But in the, in the case of the heaven scenario, the way the world would work is that you'd see this curve of accelerating change. It would go straight up, and it would be a lot like the Christian version of heaven. You'd be conquering pain, stupidity, ignorance, ugliness, disease, suffering, and even death. And you'd be doing it in the, in the fairly near term. Uh, and, you know, you read the headlines and you see these changes. I mean, already you've, uh, in mice, you, you're able to uh, sever their spinal cords mm -hmm. and then regrow the nerves in them so that the, the, uh, the mice can, can, uh, can run again. That's pretty amazing. So that's a credible technology, but it's all, and it's a credible scenario, but it's only one. There's also the hell scenario, which is the mirror image of heaven. This is the one in which this curve of change continues to increase, but suppose it gets into the hands of madmen or fools. Uh, I mean, this is the scenario in which you can imagine wiping out the human race within the next 20 years, and that's the optimistic version. You could actually, the pessimistic version is if you wipe out all of life on Earth. I mean, all, you know about the Australian mousepox incident? That's the one in which there were some uh, researchers in Australia that were trying to come up with a mouse contraceptive because it's a big problem in Australia. Yes. In instead, they created a monster. They made one change in a, in a disease organism called mousepox, and all of a sudden it killed 100% of all the mice. 100% died. And mousepox doesn't hurt humans. But it's a very close relative of smallpox, which obviously does. So in principle, if you can get a hold of a smallpox virus, you know, this is, what, this is not like nuclear weapons. This is technology that can be manipulated by any reasonably bright grad student in a well-equipped lab. So you, know, you can imagine really bad things happening in the next 20 years. Now, the trouble with both the heaven and the hell scenarios is that people talk past each other. They, they just can't believe that the other guys are serious about these. And that's because both of these scenarios are techno-deterministic, which means that it basically assumes that our technologies are shaping our future and that there's nothing much we can do about it. We're just along for the ride. That's why I'm pulling for the prevail scenario. Prevail is not some middle ground between heaven and hell. It's often its own territory because this is the humanistic scenario. This is the one that says that perhaps what matters is not how many transistors we can get to talk to each other. Maybe it's how many ornery, cussed, imaginative, surprising humans you can talk, you can get to talk to each other. Prevail, the heart of prevail is the idea, maybe there's not one curve of change, maybe there's two. Uh, you know, if all of our challenges are increasing exponentially, if our responses are more or less flat, well, we're obviously toast, right? Because the gap just keeps on getting wider and wider between our challenges and our responses. But suppose our, our responses are going up on a curve almost as fast as our challenges. That would be the humanistic scenario. And there's some reason for guarded optimism about this. If you had looked out at the future of the human race from roughly 1200 A.D., you know, the Dark Ages, you'd see marauding hordes, and you'd see plagues, and you'd say, okay, it's to the species is toast. 
But then all of a sudden in 1450, you had the invention of the printing press, and you had a brand new way of storing, sharing, collecting, and distributing your ideas that you never had before. And the result is pretty amazing. First you get the Renaissance, and then you get the Enlightenment, which leads to democracy and to science itself in the world we've got today, in which all of a sudden the Middle Ages is ancient history in every sense. You also saw this curve of, of change in responses on 9-11. The, um, the, the fourth flight, Flight 93, never made it to its target. Why? Because the Air Force was so smart? No. Because the White House was so smart? No. Nope. Absolutely no. It's because a couple dozen people on board that aircraft figured out, diagnosed, and cured their society's ills in a little under an hour flat. Was it an ideal solution? No. Obviously, they all died. But it was good enough, and interestingly, this was all bottom-up solutions. All of these solutions were beyond the imagination of any one king or any one leader. What it was was ordinary people behaving in a bottom-up way, empowered by their technologies. And that's the humanistic view. That's the heart of prevail. And that's the reason why I'm pulling for it. I'm not predicting it. Uh, you know, I don't know whether this is going to happen or not. But I'm kind of rooting for it. And the question is, okay, well, how would you know if prevail was the future that was actually coming about? All right, why don't we talk about prevail on the other side of this commercial break. Our special guest this hour, Exo Nation, Joel Garrow. His website is www.garrow.com, G-A-R-R-E-A-U. Com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Exxon Broadcast Network and Talkstar Radio Network. And Joel Garrow and I will return on the other side of this break as we wrap up for this hour here on the Exxon from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. giving them a lot to talk about this hour. Joel Garrow is my guest, www.garrow.com, G-A-R-R-E-A-U.com. So, Joel, we've got about uh, three minutes left. Take us to the final scenario. Well, prevail is the humanistic scenario. It's the one that I'm pulling for. Basically, it's a bet on humans being surprising. It's a bet on a faith in human beings coming together in unexpected ways. He asked yourself, well, how would you know if the prevail scenario were the one that was actually coming about? Mm -hmm. Well, what you'd see is a rapid increase in the quantity, 
quality, variety, and complexity of what humans find ways to connect. You find interesting group behavior, like a flock doing amazing things. And you say to yourself, well, have we seen any of that lately? Well, how about eBay? Mm. That's not just the world's biggest flea market. That's hundreds of millions of people doing amazingly complicated things without leaders. Uh, what about YouTube? You know, a change in the lecture. What about Twitter? I have no idea what Twitter is good for, but if it flips out the Iranian government, I find it interesting. The significance of all this bottom-up behavior is, which this is what I'm working on right now in my new job as a professor in the law school at Arizona State University. I've launched the Prevail Project to figure out if there's a way to help people accelerate their humanistic responses to all these challenges. And the, there's a big payoff in this. There's a real significance to this. I mean, it's occurred to me that we cannot detect any other intelligence in the universe. And I wondered about why that might be true. And I wondered, I suppose that what you're seeing, maybe that every intelligent species gets to this point where it's starting to control its own evolution. What happens if this is the final exam? Mm. What happens if everybody else flunked? Then the answer would be, well, how do we make sure that we don't flunk? That's at the heart of what I'm trying to get at with the Prevail Project and with talking to with people like you, because the heart of this is this is way too important to be left to the scientists and people like that. The first thing that, I mean, that I'm trying to do is get people to realize that this is all happening, and it's up to you. It's up to us. You know, this is all too important to be left to the quote-unquote leaders. This has to be a bottom-up response. Joel, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure. I would love to have you back on in the future so we can talk more about the future and um, and what it can do. And I, I, I still have so many questions I want to ask you that we've just run out of time. But, Joel, thank you very much for taking uh, time out of your very busy schedule to be with us here on the Exxon. And anytime you have some extra time, let us know. We'll get you right back on. Great. Thanks, Rob. Take care of yourself, Joel. Joel Garrow, www.garrow.com. That's www.garrow.com. Oh, interesting. Just imagine that. I can't. I'm going to have to <laughs> chew this over over the next couple of hours. I know, I know, I know. Thanks a lot, Joel. Well, you might want to, I mean, I, I mean uh, at the risk of being, um, I mean, I, I actually do care about people, um, uh, you know, Get hold of this and get me thinking about it. If you want to put up a link to the to the uh, to the book, well, you have a link to the website. Yeah, we've got a link to the website. And Joel, once again, thanks for being with us. We've got to say so long, Exxon Nation. I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and Talk Star Radio. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. It's a primal, wild freedom. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. 
No. You know, we really lost our stride at the end there. Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits may require comprehensive coverage.